Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Evie Zahos, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having me, Mark. Ah, like one of my favourite finance commentators. <laughs> I've been watching you for years and you're not that old. You're only young. But, uh, <laughs> I'm old. I've been watching you for years <laughs> yeah, too. Well, I definitely am old. But you, you, are, you are one of my favourite finance commentators and, and you've written some great books and, uh, and we've talked about your books in the past. So, and I, I don't mind giving your books a plug too, so I, and I will. And in particular, A Real Girl's Guide, and I like that play on the, on the girl guides thing, but A Real Girl's Guide <laughs> to Money, which is now available. Yeah, it's just. Uh, it was published a little while ago and then basically jazzed it up, edited it again. I mean, you know, money changes. Things change all the time, rules, regulations. So it's been updated um, and also included basically a, a cost of living guide in there because this is what Aussies are, are struggling As and in going a budget. through. Um, basically taking it back to basics. Um, it, it's interesting because I wear so many different hats, Mark. So, I mean, I, I'm a director of Extra, which is a not-for-profit organisation um, that helps minority groups basically with financial literacy through grants as well. So I see people really, really struggling. Then on the other spectrum, I sit on the board of directors for Invest Smart, and that's funds under management. And it's a kind of another world. I sit uh, at CanStar as the editor at large, 2 million people going through that group, looking for items, searching, refinancing. So I know what people are looking at. And it gives me a, a good position to understand what are those consumer pressure points. Um, and we've all got them, whether you're on 80,000 or 180,000, we are still feeling this pressure. That's funny you should say that because person, it's an interesting concept that I think people need to understand is that the person who's on 180,000 mm. actually doesn't have that much money left over because they actually live a $180,000 life. So they mm. have an $180,000 budget. So normally what happens, I mean, unless you're, um, you know, earning tens of millions or, you know. CEO of uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, I don't want to talk about any particular <laughs> bank. But, but unless you're doing that um, after tax, yeah. you tend to just adjust your life based on the money that you have available, upwards or downwards. Well, well, it's, sure, well it's hard to do it downwards. It's easy it's to do, hard it, to do and it easy down. to do it upwards. And it, it's got a name. It's lifestyle inflation. And I'm not talking about inflation due to the cost of rising in prices. I'm talking about a lifestyle inflation. And, and that's where the more you earn, the more you spend. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's trying to keep up with the Joneses or whether it's a fact that, you know, the behavioural economic side of it, I deserve it, I've got here, I can upgrade from the, the Ford to a Mercedes, 
we all fall into that lifestyle inflation. And it really comes back down to those basics, needs versus wants. But it's hard to do. We all do it. I mean, think about how many pay rises you have in a life. What do you do with it? I often think about it myself. You know, people who have more money just have more expensive toys. Yeah. More expensive cars, more expensive houses, more expensive holidays. Um, net, net though, it's rare they have that much, but they have more left over. But as they, relative to the amount of money they earn in terms of the total amount of, of the total population, what they would earn, they don't have that much more money left over mm, because mm. they just adjust their lifestyle. As you said, uh, it's lifestyle inflation. You inflate your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get into that spiral where you end up working because you have to because you've created that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I think that the best money tip I ever got was from Paul Clithrow when I first started working with him and that was so simple. You know, it's not what you earn that counts, it's what you spend. Yeah. And that's why I was saying before right at the beginning, I've seen people with 80,000 do rings around someone who's on 180,000. comes down to that little golden rule. So that, that's about budgeting and, and budgeting is about knowing your – how mm. you live and, mm. and and what your limits are. Do you think as a person who's written a lot of books mm. and you're always doing financial commentary and you you talk to the masses and you come out of that Clitheroe mould um, and for those people who don't know who Paul Clitheroe is, um, he's one of the first wealth advisors, financial planning dudes that sort of really hit the the boards many, many years ago and made it in a public sense, in other words, through the media. He did a lot of stuff on TV. Um, and and I, I actually I don't even know if he's retired. I wouldn't know what he's doing. These days. I haven't seen Paul for a long, long time. But um, he was one of those dudes who spoke a lot of honesty and a lot of truth about, and, and to some extent, a little bit confronting to people about things like lifestyle inflation. Mm. You're spending too much dough. Should have a budget, a realistic budget. Know what your cost of living is. We keep talking about the cost of living. But how do we, or how does someone, or how should someone approach how they live their life and how they spend their money? Is it, is it like actually having a budget? Yeah. And a lot of us have had these discussions with ourselves, Mark, over the past, you know, a couple of years because of the situation we're in. And we're at a kind of the point yet. We keep hearing that has the, has the cash rate peaked. And a lot of people think, oh, it, it, it's peaked, so it's just going to fall back down again. <laughs> it's like a, a mountain up and down. It may not necessarily be like that. It may have peaked, but it could be plateaued and it could be like that for a long time. So we have to prepare ourselves that we could be like this for at least another 12 months, maybe 18 months. And yes, you hear that we've got some great savings. What about 230 billion is saved, but it really is a case of, you know, a, a, a two or three speed saving economy. There are the haves and the have nots, and those writing mortgage bill are doing it hard. And I guess when it comes to, you know, managing money, we've become a lot more savvier with it, but we are also down to the pointy end where, you know, I've seen numbers, you've seen the number of people have refinanced their home loan and you can keep doing that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I'm now seeing because the competition is basically staying with existing customers, banks are finally starting to, to look at their existing portfolios because they're saying, hey, new lending's not going to come through the door. Um, I need to protect this customer base. So the, the gap between what new customers are getting with rates versus existing customers is closing. And, you know, the competition there is with existing customers. So they're in the driver's seat. You'd be surprised just what you could get by calling your bank or switching 
But it does come down to that basic and being honest with yourself. If we're going to be in this situation for the next, you know, 12 months still, I mean, I think CBA is the only bank that's saying a rate cut in March. But what is March? Is the RBA going to meet in March? Because the RBA has changed its meetings as well. It's not 11 anymore. It's eight. So maybe it's not even March now. Maybe they won't even meet in March. Um, And it's a case of putting in these uh, uh, filters and fact uh, uh, and factoring in how much more can I squeeze out of my budget because it's it's not magic here it's either money coming in and money coming out and they're the two levers you got to control. So it, that's, that's very interesting because you and I bumped into each other this morning at Channel yeah. Nine and uh, you were doing your segment I was coming on to do my segment and uh, I don't know if you remember and I won't mention her name but sort of like arranges me to come on the Today I Extra guess. show which is lovely on, lady yes on, I know who you're talking her. about yeah she's been talking to me for some time about oh, you know, I'm paying this amount of money on my mortgage, what should I do? Hmm. And I said, well, that sounds like a pretty high interest rate. And she didn't have much of a mortgage um, and uh, relative to the value of the property, she'd been paying her for a long time. Hmm. And um, and she's been a good payer, I, I, I suggest. And she said to me, I said, well, just ring your bank up and tell them, you know, I'll, I'm going to leave. Hmm. I'm going to leave you at the bank if I don't get a re- reduction in my interest rate. Which So she sits in what they call the back book of the banking system. Yeah. So the bank have got her as a, a client and clearly they want to retain her because it's more expensive to obtain it, get a new client. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But they want to keep her on as a client. But they'll never offer her a reduction in interest unless she's asked. Oh, asked. no one ever will. Why, I mean, why would they? This is my gripe, not just with home loans, Mark. Think about it. Insurances. They've gone up at least up to 20% your home and contents insurance. In fact, uh, a report's coming out on Monday basically just showing how uh, ridiculous the the insurance industry is with increasing prices and premiums. Um, In Sydney alone, it could be like the average about $2,000 on your home and contents insurance. A substantial amount of that goes to taxes and state emergency levies. I mean, there's an immediate fix. Try and get some of that out and reduce the premiums. Why is it that when I get my insurance premium, I have to call my insurer, negotiate it, and I do this myself, and yes, I can get it down, or if I go on the existing website and pretend to be a new customer, it's a different insurance premium altogether to the one- Much cheaper. than the one I'm looking at. So I've got to call up and go, well, I just went on your website and it's cheaper to what my premium says, the paperwork. Oh, well, then we'll start negotiating. Why is it that we never get the best deals? Savings accounts, it's the same principle. So the ACCC is looking into saving accounts at the moment. And uh, in other words, interest rate on deposits. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the interest rates on the deposit. They've been pretty ad hoc, very strategic where they place it. And again, that comes down to the cost of funding their net interest margins. Obviously, they want to pay less on the savings accounts, beef up the interest on, on home loans to fatten that profit margin. Again, the best rates there are only if you can jump through hoops, only for four months and so on. It is so complicated for a consumer to navigate through the financial markets that I, I can understand why we're all frustrated. Well, let, let's call her, we know who we're talking about, yeah, let's call yeah. her Jane for a yeah. second, okay? <laughs> she'll, she'll be very happy you're talking so, about it, so, Mark. So, so, Jane, <laughs> so Jane did what I said. So she went, rang her bank up, but she was quite sheepish and quite nervous about doing yeah. it. And she rang her bank up and said, look, I, I want to get a, bit interest, a better interest rate. So they, they they shaved her rate a little bit and um, it was better than what she was paying. Yeah. And she was quite proud of herself when she came and told me. And I said, yeah, but that still sounds like it's too much to me. I said, have you ever thought about talking to a mortgage broker? And then you were talking about insurances. And by the way, what Effie can do in relation to insurances, you know, you're in the game. It's 
you can effectively be your own broker, but an insurance broker might be able to do the same thing as a mortgage broker can do is get a better deal. So I said, why don't you go and talk to a mortgage broker? Find a mortgage broker. I, I didn't even send it to one of our guys. I just said, find somebody. You'll know someone who knows a mortgage broker. And and I actually said it on the show this morning. I said, that's one of the things you should do. Given that 72% of all mortgages and mortgages in this country are delivered by mortgage brokers, if you're not talking to a mortgage broker and and you don't understand this whole system, then you're not playing the game because the mortgage broker is anyone who understands where to get the best deal. So anyway, she went and talked to a mortgage broker. The mortgage broker said to her, well, I think you should refinance away from that lender and as soon as that lender knows that you're about to pay them out, your lender then will get pretty serious. So mm-hmm. lender A, who's still charging her a giving her a discount but still charging a quite a higher interest rate relative to where the cheaper rates are from the various banks. This broker then went and found somebody, a bank, another bank, who agreed to lend her as a new customer um, a significantly lower interest rate just in order to win that customer's business, her business. She then has an interest rate now at, say, let's say it's 5%. Mm -hmm. That's not, but let's say it's Mm -hmm. 5%. Her current lender, who's shaved its rate a little bit, is now but is now currently charging a five point seven five percent. The current lender finds out she's about to pay them out, calls her up, says, "Can we come and talk to you, Jane? Or can you come and see us, Jane?" They're panicking, so she goes in to see them, and um, she says to them, "Well, I'm getting this rate. If you can match it, I'll stay with you." They decide that they say we can't match that mm. rate because you're a current customer. What the bank manager told her, and this is crazy, listen, why don't you refinance, leave all your other stuff with us, all your other accounts with us, refinance with the new lender, the new bank, one year's time, come back to us and we can give you even a cheaper rate again because we will see you as a new customer. So we will lend you at a better, much more competitive rate as a new customer than we can as an existing customer which is crazy. Uh, So she got, so this bank basically was happy for her to go away as long as she kept all her other accounts with them. Then on the basis that she will come back in a year's time because they will be able to lend her a much more aggressive interest rate as a new customer compared to what they can offer to old customers. And you said to me, well, you don't know why this doesn't, why my lenders don't do this. If I might just offer an explanation to the audience, the problem is this, if I've got $500 billion, for mm. example, of borrowers on my books, let's say I'm one of the big banks, I've got half a trillion dollars worth of borrowers on my books and every year I lend to new business $10 billion. It's better for me to try and lend $10 billion at a lower interest rate than it is for me to offer my whole book of $500 billion, this new low interest rate mm-hmm. and I'm better off Running the risk of losing some customers like Jane Doe who go and refinance off my back book, then I am, I'm better to lose 5% of that $500 billion than I am to offer the big discount to my whole Oh, book. absolutely, yeah. And it's just mathematics. Yeah, absolutely. You would not discount your whole book if you don't have to, no. which goes back to, for me, it just from a consumer point of view, it's annoying. But from a business point of view, I absolutely understand that. But I, I think with consumers too, what they need to kind of uh, understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, really, you are in a great position to, to go to your existing lender if, A, you haven't been making your repayments, you're on time, B, it's a substantial loan, 
depends, maybe over 250,000, maybe 500,000. If you're rolling from a fixed to a variable, these are no-brainers. You should be going to your, your existing lender and negotiating, but also saying, well, give me a discharge, discharge form. Yeah. Give me a mortgage because then that's a really well, that's a red, that's there's, a red, a, there's actually a, lot, a thing that goes off in the yeah. IT systems yeah, that says <laughs> this person has inquired about um, their balance. Yes, yeah. As soon as you make an inquiry about your balance, their CRM system, the, uh, yeah. the, the customer, um, uh, whatever, the CRM system anyway, their, their IT system sends off a note, an exception to the bankers in the joint um, internally this person's intending to pay me out. Find out why, because yeah. you, you might have just sold your property, but they're intending to pay me out. They might be going to refinance me, us at the particular bank. Get onto them, yeah. and offer them a deal, yeah. and, and try and keep them in the, keep them in the joint, yeah. because it is much cheaper to keep an existing customer with a discount than it is to than it is to find a new customer at the end of the day. Per transaction, it's not much cheaper to refinance your whole back book. That that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But per customer, and I explain why. Because if you come to, if a customer comes to me as Yellow Brick Road as a as a lender, if you come to me as a through a broker, my upfront costs are ridiculous. So I've got to pay. I'm giving you a competitive rate. I might be giving you cash back. Mm. So that's a cost straight away. Plus, I'm paying the broker. I have to pay the broker, and I'm paying the broker around sixty basis points. So if I'm lending the money to you at 5.6, mm, it's actually mm. cost me in the year one 6.2 because mm-hmm. I'm giving him 60 basis points up front. Plus if I'm giving you $4,000 cash back, that's another 100 basis points mm. that year. So I'm actually lending you the money. Uh, 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 it's costing me quite a lot of money, you know, like it's costing me quite a lot of dough. So I don't make money in the first 18 to 22 months. No. So I'm better off keeping, I'm discounting someone who I've already spent all that money on. Looking after that client. And just looking Absolutely. after that particular client. Yeah. So yeah. the mathematics or the the economic um, intelligence of all this is that borrowers should be asking their banks to get for, to, to get discounts. Don't expect to get the new, the new borrower rate, but you'll get a better borrower rate than you're currently getting. And if you really, like Jane Doe, want a better deal, then you've got to be prepared yeah. to move. Yeah. And move often. Mm. There's nothing. I know people who've been taking. I don't know people. I I know of customer numbers who've been uh, every eighteen months during the last three to four years refinancing their debt and taking the cash back and paying it off their debt. Yeah, and the, yeah, well, yeah, chasing cash backs. Absolutely. Well, they're not in the market as much now. I no, think there's like about de- yeah. There's about probably I think on CanStar's database about ten. I think ANZ's then, still in there. ANZ's still there is yep. the major. The other three aren't, which to me is a sign that they're not chasing the new loans. They're not in the door. They're protecting their margin base. They're protecting their existing customers. So that's what I was saying initially. Existing customers are in the driver's seat at the moment, but you've got to ask. It's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. And most people don't um, ask. You know, that's crazy to me. What is that? I, well, I think I, I'm going to have to beg to differ there. If you're looking at the number of people who have refinanced, we've seen record numbers of people refinance. That's true. Um, and I think the, the the situation that we're in now has driven that. In the past, you're absolutely right. You'd say, I have a mortgage, I've been there, you know, with, with blah, 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 since day dot and never move and, and you stay with them until you pay off your, your debt. Now, people, there's, there's not that loyalty. We're becoming a lot more savvier with our financial products and are quite happy to, to switch around. And, in fact, what I'm seeing, energy bills, they're the ones that get switched around the most. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, I 
don't know even how to do them and I'm like you have someone to sort of sort that stuff out for I can tell you me. a simple tip for your listeners. Yeah, tell me, how Get, do you do that? There is a great website called Energy Made Easy. That's the government one. Canstar Blue's got one as well. You upload your bill, just do a PDF of it. It reads your bill for that previous quarter and up will pop up plans that are cheaper than the one you're paying based on your usage. What's it called again? Energy Made Easy. Uh, .gov.au or the Canstar Blue one. So simple. I'd play with both, have a look at it and, and make the switch. Does it, do the, are the websites that do so things like um, health insurance do the same sort of thing? Oh, comparison sites, yeah. yeah. There's lots of comparison sites out there. But for me, you know, for me my number rule is that knowledge is power. Get yourself savvy, read up and then compare. Um, and then make the decision. And look, I understand for me going to a broker, I mean, I can find out who's got the cheapest road easy. Just jump onto a website, bang, I've done it. But going to a broker for me is, well, who's actually going to get me that loan across the line? That's the difference. Um, I remember when I was getting an investment property, I knew who the cheapest one was, but um, I wanted to get this property in my own name with another person and I had other debts and I was looking for a lender who would look at my other debts as 50-50 rather than 100. Anyway, long story short, I had to go to a broker or otherwise I had to ring every lender in Australia and find out what is the lending policy, who's going to lend to me. Because it's not just about the cheapest rate, it's about the policy. not the che- you can find the cheapest rate in a moment of seconds. Yeah, it's who's going to give it to me, and also if you're not a good negotiator, who's going to be able to negotiate on my behalf to get me that deal? But still, I've got to say, do your own research first, even before you see a broker. So th- that's very interesting. So the, the whole broker thing is, it, it, I mean, I'm not just saying this because you know I've got a brokerage business because I mean I, I just it, the the deal is, as I said, 72% of Australian loans, mortgages in this country today get dealt with by brokers. And there's a reason for it. You don't have to pay the broker. That's the first thing, although you are You are through a trialling commission, yeah. yeah. Indirectly. And you don't have rent. always the cheapest on, on on your panel, but then cheapest may not. You, I mean, I can give you a, a rate now. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, then that's the sort of the important point here because for people who don't know, the, what happens is the bank's, Come come to my organisation, and what we do is the other organisations do it too. But what we do is we send out to the brokers the latest update about um, how credit is assessed and what the appetite of that particular bank at that particular rate is for mm. someone who might want to buy an apartment in Chatswood. Yeah, because you know some banks say, you know what, we've got enough in Chatswood yeah. at the moment. We don't want any more. Yeah. We've got concentrated yeah. risk. We 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 if if we're going to lend in Chatswood, we, we only want to lend up seventy five percent LVR. It's got to be someone who's on a salary salary at you know yeah at the ATO um, has been there for five years. You know they they sort of restrict it, but then there might be someone else, another lender, bank, small bank, big bank, non bank, whatever, who's got a big appetite for Chatswood. Now brokers know that, and it's so it's about getting. Not only a really good hot interest rate, but it's about getting the product features and and credit approval that suits your circumstance Mm. at a particular moment. And the the variation between the credit criteria of the banks is crazy. They're not all the same. Yeah, they 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 sometimes they if you're at a certain age, like chronological age. they might be interested in how much super you got because they th- worry that, um, like, if the person is sixty and oh yeah, your exit they're strategy. Retire, yeah. What's your exit yeah. strategy? And they don't. They'll have different exit strategies. Um, some banks um, accept a hundred percent of the rental 
um, income that mm. you're earning as well as your wages and salaries or other business income. Actually, Some only accept 80%. It's interesting you should say that. I think last time I spoke to you it was very new, the fact of the buffer rate reducing. Well, lo and behold, well, it's since we spoke. the buffer rate yeah. is. So, so essentially the, the buffer rate is you, ha- you have an advertised rate, let's say 6%. The bank will put 3% on top of that. Um, so they will say, well, this is 9%. We're going to work it out based on 9%. Can you afford it or not? And that locked in a lot of people with their existing lenders because they may have been on six and they saw a rate at five, but they put 3% on that five and they can't afford that. But really, they're servicing the six. Why can't I go get that 5% rate? Oh, because we had an extra 3% margin on. Made complete sense when it came out, makes sense for new loans, but for existing ones, it was, it actually worked against them. The regulation there to protect consumers worked against them. So now there's a lot of lenders that have got written, rid of that, well, not rid, have reduced it down to as low as 1%. Um, and you're talking about rental income. It's interesting, a lot of lenders have um, changed the serviceability rules just to make some common sense that they'll include maybe 80% or if you're a nurse and obviously typically your hours are all over the place, your income's all over the place, they consider overtime uh, as 100%. So there's a lot of changes that are happening there for consumers. But the thing is, affordability is still crazy and it's still that in itself is a big problem. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everybody wants to know. Yeah, what's happening? Well, more in his rage when yeah. they're going to start coming yeah. off. I mean, yeah. Matt Common, you know, defending his um, ten point <laughs> two billion dollar. Did a good profit. job of that. But Same can I just say we are shareholders in that through our super. Yeah, and we want strong banks, but probably not that strong at what but cost? But you, but you can't you can't say that. No, because yeah. you can't have. Oh, 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 I only want you to be this strong. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean, we have to think. I mean, uh, look, it sounds a little bit, uh, you know, making so much money in a tough period sounds a bit. They weird. are the biggest bank we've got to remember Correct. in Australia, and they're the we've, most stable bank. We've absolutely, got in Australia. and we want a strong financial system. What we've got about twelve or thirteen million people that are probably directly affected by um, uh, the, the profits through their super or through shares. So. It, it, 
it's a balancing act. Um, and I think where I think where consumers get angry is basically the the the, the low hung fruit that can be easily changed. Give me the best possible rate. Make it transparent. Stop stop doing things that just don't make sense. I, I think if the bank can clean themselves up, if rates go down, decrease them down. Be fair on our saving rates. They can clean up a lot of issues. And take here. the confusion out too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of brain damage out there. Like yeah. we just don't understand yeah. why you didn't do that. It doesn't make yeah. sense. And then that's really a, a lot more about transparency. But what I found also interesting, the results, just how much they lend to small businesses as well. Like $35 billion, I think, was lent to small businesses in this year alone. And talking about the economy, this is the interesting thing where we're going to move forward. We are, in a sense, in a lockdown as far as I'm concerned call it voluntary lockdown, but we are stopping. Our spending is, we're clawing that back Um, for the very reason that we're unsure. Inflation's very sticky. We've got service inflation out there. I know the number went down, but you think really 1st of July is when prices do go up. Energy prices go up. Uh, June's pretty soft. So I would not be surprised if the monthly figure shows a bit of a blip up um, we've got a very tight labour market and that's still fueling some expenses in the sense that I feel comfortable, I'm in a safe job, I can spend a bit. And that's why you're seeing people be a lot more strategic with their spending. That's why Taylor Swift tickets sold out or, you know, we're going to see the Matildas. We're choosing to pour our cash in a certain direction and that hasn't changed. So it's going to be interesting where the economy does land here. Um, you've got the biggest bank lending a ridiculous amount to small businesses. And we're in kind of like a voluntary lockdown in the sense that we have cut our spending. Online spending's down. Our basket of goods is down. We spent about 105 online. That's a 6% drop um, from the previous year. So that's going to affect certain businesses. The very businesses that were hurt during COVID are the ones that are going to be hit now. You think about it, discretionary spending. We're cutting back on eating out our coffees. So the hospitality podcast. industry. Yeah, <laughs> podcasts, yeah. Let's just break it down a little bit over here. Yeah. So- Let's just talk like economics. So um, inflation, mm. the basket of goods and, and the important part is right now is services. Mm-hmm. This is a basket. They call it a basket. It's only a basket case. But it's something that's been chosen by the Australian Bureau of Statistics as being the important items, the price of which they want to track. Mm-hmm. And it, it includes some goods, good good goods categories, which is, you know, like buying a refrigerator or yep. household goods or food, et cetera. And then there's services, which include things like some things are put in the services category, which is, for example, travel. That's put in the services category. Accommodation. Um, restaurants is mm-hmm. put in the service category. Um, rents yep. in service category. Haircuts. Haircuts, right. So there's the goods piece of the economy seems to be, in terms of inflation, much more under control and is like trending towards the right direction mm-hmm. on a yearly basis, definitely on a monthly basis and more so on a, and again on a quarterly basis. The services bit that, which, you know, I never really ever heard anyone talk about the services before, but all of a sudden everyone's talking about services as part of the goods and services basket, which is giving us an inflation brain damage, um, that seems to be out of control. Like, as you said, like haircuts, um, getting your nails done. Eating out. Eating out. Um, and now, and travelling. Now, they all sound like um, COVID reactions to me. They sound like the sorts of things that people say, no, hang on, I didn't do any of this during COVID. I, didn't, I couldn't go out. I couldn't do this. I couldn't go to a restaurant. I couldn't travel. It's. Do you think people um, are actually have now done that to dinner? They've gone and 
gorged themselves on travel, they've gone and gorged themselves on restaurants and they've done all the stuff they needed to get done. Do you think we're at a point now we're about to pull back on that stuff? I don't think so, and let me explain why. So, yeah, you've done a great job explaining the, the goods and services um, and, and goods was predominantly, that inflation was predominantly COVID-related. And it was so important supply, too. Yeah, supply chain issues, it was important. And you're right, that is under control. Your services, a lot of factor two is uh, wage, wages, labour shortages, pumping up the wages there and so on. And we've got an economy that's not as productive as well. So that's a concern. I mean, these could be okay and high, but if the economy was producing, I think that's what the RBA wants, but it's it's not. And will When uh, you say uh, producing, you mean more productive relative to the wages. In exactly. other words, I'm paying you um, yeah. 1000 bucks a week yeah. last um, year and you were producing out. 25 goods. Yeah. This year you're on $1,100 a week because your wages have gone up by, say, 10% for we say, but you're still only pushing out 25 yeah, items a yeah. week. We need to get that productivity level up. Because I wouldn't be so upset paying you 1100 if you are now paying, if you are now putting out instead of 25 products a week, 27 and a half, two yes. and a half more times because I could say, well, I'm paying you 1100 but I'm she's now per producing. Unit, she, per, it, per, yeah, on a per unit basis, yeah. I'm paying her the same. Yeah, yes. And we pay manufacturers and business owners should be thinking how much am I paying Effie per unit yes. per week? Yeah. Not how much I'm paying Effie. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's irrelevant. Yeah. And we haven't had an increase in productivity. Effie's no. not giving me more stuff. No, we haven't. And that's a concern. <laughs> Your question was, do you think we're going to cut back on this travel and so on? Look, there's a whole lot of data out there that shows that a lot of people did cut back their intended travel spend. But I can tell you now, we did some surveys of over 9,000 Aussies and their number one goal that they're saving towards was travel. Wow. And when we looked at um, the number, the, the traffic to uh, travel insurance, it's higher than it was pre-COVID. But when was this done recently? Uh, recently. Yeah. So recently. So there is still that the haves and the haves not. Is that, is that yeah. international travel or are we talking local? When, when that's, was that survey just travel in general? Travel in general. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. The, and who the, are the haves? Well, the haves would be those that don't have a mortgage um, and it would be, would it be older people too, like 60s plus? To be honest, they don't tend to spend that much as well. Um, saving it, we kind of don't like spending our retirement income. So I don't think they're going to be the, the biggest spenders. So it's those people that don't have a mortgage. So we know a third have a mortgage, a third don't, third paid it off and a third of renting. So it's obviously the, the bracket between 25 to, to our, our about 45 would be doing it really hard, the mortgage belt. Um, the rest are in a pretty good position to keep on spending. And like I said before, about what, 230 billion is still saved up. Uh, so there is plenty of capacity there to spend. And I think the key thing here, to say it again, is we've got a tight labour market. I'm safe. I'm working. I've got a job. And you know what? If I lose this job, I know I can get a job somewhere else. If that mentality is still about, then you've still got spending. I know the the, the, the um, you look at the Commonwealth Spending Intention Index showing everything is going down, but the intention to travel, that's still very much there. And, and and those things have quite a bit of weight attached to them in terms of the inflation number, yeah. the CPI yeah. number. And what I mean by that is because there's a large number of people who participate in that category, the statisticians load it up. In other yeah. words, they attach more significance to those services expenditure. For example, rent. A lot of people rent, a third of the economy rent. Yeah. And 
Therefore, it's a lot of people. Therefore, you've got to give it a lot of weight. And in, that pressure's in the not going away. Basket. Which is why I said previously that I would not be surprised to see a little blimp in those inflation numbers, maybe going up a little bit, um, because of this very reason. Whether that means another rate hike or not, well, I'm no expert there, and I'd hate to to, to forecast. But I, I think there's enough on the page to not increase rates. So, for example, inflation numbers are trending downwards. We will see the the, the labour market not being as tight. Product Activity is not there. There is a lagged effect. We still have, we're probably in the middle of all these home loans that were on fixed rolling off to variable. Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as we have been predicting, but there will be pockets that are absolutely will be. Um, but I think there's more on the page to keep rates on hold than there is to increase. Do you think, and I've been saying this for like a month or so now, but I think, do you think the correct question is, as opposed to is there going to be another rate increase, is is it more like a better question is how long will these yeah. high rates last? Yes. And maybe a second question is when do I see them as being as coming off? Yeah. And the third question is by how much? So Yeah, so, exactly. So we saw uh, Matt Common say yesterday when he announced he's, um, he's fantastic, you know, like if you're a shareholder of CBA, that's just mm-hmm. an incredible um, profit outcome um, I, and, you know, I like – I understand why people are pissed off and I get all that, all right, but at the same time you've got to think about this. Here's this guy has managed to increase his net interest margin, in other words, the difference between his cost of funds and what he lends to borrowers and maintain his book. It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing to make a record profit mm-hmm. in a pretty challenging period. So, And that's good if you're a CBA borrower and it's actually good for the banking system too because we've got a stable banking system and our main bank is stable, but our biggest bank I should say. Um, but it, but it's also good for, um, you know, shareholders because they know that if we have a, if CBA sees a downturn, they've got a bit, a bit of a buffer there to sort mm-hmm. of carrying through a downturn if there is indeed a downturn. Do you think that um, in terms of, cost of funds for an organisation like, say, CBA, um, that they are now going to start to see their prices rise and we might not get a – they might put up their interest rate outside of the Reserve Bank making a change. Oh, that'd be pretty brave of a bank to increase rate outside of an RBA movement. Um, Put it this way, the numbers when you look at their results, yes, they increased their profit margins, but that was in the first half. The second half, it was narrowing. and I think they're just going to have to cop it on the chin that this $10 billion may not happen next financial year, and they're very well aware of that. It would be a very brave bank to go out now and increase rates outside. I don't think that will happen. I think our biggest concern is, and you nailed it then when you said, how long is this going to last? And that's why I was saying we keep talking about the peak. We've reached the peak. Don't think the peak is just going to fall right down like a mountain. It will be plateaued. So that will be a while. And right now as we're talking, um, you know, we've got the Fed. What are they going to do? And because the UK, the, the, bank, the Bank of England recently put it up. Yeah, and, they're, you know, the forecast for the Fed in the US is that they'll see their inflation tick up slightly. We've got to be careful with that because, it impacts Australia. We could uh, import our inflation, if you get what I mean, our dollar, if that falls further, then it's going to be expensive to bring goods in. So we're all related in that regard. And it, it, it's we are in a very tight situation. So it is definitely a case of not, um, you know, ha- is this it? Is this rates? Is this the highest it's going to go? It's just how long are we going to be here for? Okay. So Common says, or CBA, um, yeah. their prognosis is, and I, I think they said this yesterday, they expect to see rate reductions. They're March. saying March. Okay. Yeah. Then Westpac, 
Bill Evans is sort of saying the latter part of 2024. Um, Some other market analysts, the money markets are sort of saying mid next year. Uh, they were saying late yeah. this year at one stage. Then they've all these are, these get revised like by every, literally every minute. So they're saying uh, next year sometime. Um, where do you think? So because everyone's hanging up. Oh shit! When, when do I? Yeah. How, when will I see a first rate reduction? And just let's just assume the Reserve Bank will be meeting in March. Yeah. Because um, we don't, as you say earlier, said earlier, the bank, the uh, the review of the RBA has sort of said they don't have to meet as many times. They're going to meet. They're not going to meet eleven times a year anymore. No. So. But let's say that at March meeting, are you of the subscription that CBA's sort of prognosis that it's going to be March this year? And if so, what do you reckon is going to happen? How many times do you think they'll re- reduce rates? Well, the RBA is not saying inflation is going to hit the target of that two to three to what, 2025? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's March or whether it, it's June, it, it's somewhere there I, I'm thinking. Of course, it depends the numbers that are rolling through that they're still tracking as we expect them to track. Um, so our current governor for the RBA, Philip Lowe, has got one more opportunity to, to hike rate. So if it's going to happen based on the numbers that come out now, and the RBA has been pretty quiet recently too, which worries me, um, there's an opportunity for him to increase that before Michelle rolls in. And that's probably the the thing that they Michelle would Bullock do. being the new the yes. new RBA governor. Yes, sorry, Michelle Bullock being the new uh, currently the deputy there. Yes, yes. So she's sat in board meeting. She's heard everything and been in agreement with it all. Um, I would say if everything travels okay, then my consensus is kind of in between where the the, the major banks are saying around June. Um, hopefully, it will happen. How fast that will happen? Anybody's guess. The interesting from a consumer's point of view is a couple of things I'm seeing. I'm seeing some increase in locking in, which is quite interesting because they were died and they stopped. But when you look at uh, the official numbers, people are locking in a little bit more now, thinking I'll get a quick win. I'm on a high variable. I see a, a low three-year fixed rate. I'll move over to that and get some instant wins in repayments. My repayments are, are lower. Be careful with that strategy because you should never try and time the market. You, you know, I know plenty of people have picked the, the timing of fixed rates wrong. Be careful of that. The other thing is- The only when- fixed rate you should have picked- was when it was 2.99. Yeah, exactly. 2.99% during COVID. A lot of people did COVID. apparently, Mark. Yeah. Well, a lot no, of people. 40% of our borrowers did. But, yeah. Like, yeah, but that's, yeah. that was the only time I think in history yeah. that that will go down as being the smartest thing you could have done. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is also they're not all banks won't, maybe won't reduce by the, I would say, because there are different base levels at the moment, it would be a great time to explore again refinancing because as these rates do start to fall down, there is going to be big gaps between the cheapest, the average and the maximum um, based on where they're sitting at the moment as well. So it it will be a great time, but let's try and get through this period before we get there. So one of the things I want to talk about, Effie, because then of course, you know, some people naively think, oh, maybe they're all going to, they've gone up. 12 times, whatever it is, and they're probably thinking to themselves, well, maybe we go down 12 times. Let's just, it's pretty important to get into your their heads. Don't ever expect that again. Mm. That was a, like an extraordinary event. Um, to get down, to, for the official rate to get down to 0.1 of a percent was yeah. extraordinary. For it to go up 400 basis points, it actually is not, to go to 4.1 cash rate, it's not that extraordinary because, you know, normally the RBA cash rate's sort of in that territory close to, Inflate what, yeah. what would inflation number is very close to the GDP number. GDP yeah. is like let's call it three point two percent gross domestic product growth is about let's say it's around three point two. It's probably not, but let's say it's in that territory. 
like I'm not talking about at the moment, but like in a normalized market, um, let's say that um, inflation in a normalized market is like sort of between two and three percent mm. in a normalized market. Mm. Um, the cash rate's normally around that territory. Yeah. It's like close to three, three point one, three point two. So you know, my view, and I'd like to know what your view is at best expect three rate reductions at best. So because the Reserve Bank's got to have uh, keep its powder dry in case something does go wrong again, it can't go back to 0.1% yeah. because it can't fix anything at 0.1%. Yeah. It's got to be around 3%. So if they need to drop rates because we fall into a recession because the rest of the world has goes to war or something happens, they can start dropping rates again. So they're going to be mindful of if we reduce it from 4.1%, that's the cash rate, back to some other number, let's just – give ourselves a bit of headroom and like, and I don't think they'll do three in a row. They might do one at 25 base points, see what happens, do another one some months later at 25 base points, see what happens. But for them to start dropping rates really quickly um, and, and a lot of them, um, I just think we'd have to go into a really bad recession, I think. Yeah, and we've got to remember too why rates got that low. I mean, the RBA was essentially giving this free money to banks to pass on to stimulate yeah, the economy right. back then. So there was a real policy need for that yeah, to happen. It was a policy decision yeah, yeah. based on so, fear of what COVID was going to do. Because exactly. if they, you remember yeah. unemployment, Got uh, well. The, uh, the unemployment went up really quite high, it very did. very quickly, because everyone quickly. started putting people off. Yeah, exactly, and then dropped quite quickly. Then too. It recovered fast. Yeah. So that was a policy decision, and you're right. We're not going to see that uh, again unless uh, something else like this happens. So I think, in which for, case, we're all stuffed anyway. Yeah. So it <laughs> doesn't much, really matter. Pretty much, I think, from consumers' point of view, really, Mark, whether they go up again, whether they stay paused, the fact is, we are used to now, um, reluctantly having to fork out that extra $1,200 or more in repayments per month to meet where we are. We're just looking for any type of relief. It's, you know, if it plateaus for a while, it still doesn't take away that issue and it still doesn't change the fact that we have reshuffled our household budgets. I mean, think about this. When a typical budget may work on a bucket system, you know, 70% goes to fixed living costs or living costs, uh, 20% to, to savings, saving for a rainy day, saving for a goal, whatever, and 10% may go, you know, to, to spend. If 50% of your living cost budget is used just to pay your mortgage, which means you only got 20% left out of that 70% you're bucket. You're Vegemite. Yeah, well, you take money out of the other buckets. Mm. So you're not going to be spending. You're not going to be saving. And, you know, that's not good for the economy and it's not good for your bottom line if you're trying to grow wealth later on. And yeah. and I, I want to finish on one, something really important. I think people need to understand this. Um, all these policies, all these things that governments do, Reserve Bank does, is all tied to the standard of living, the standard of living that these administrators of our country want to maintain. Mm. And the standard of living is about making sure that inflation doesn't get out of control because inflation affects the standard of living. And that's their whole their whole gig is to make sure that they can maintain a high standard of living for all Australians and inflation is one of those things that eats into your standard of living because you just made a really important point. If all of a sudden my standard of living changed because of inflation, because my cost of living had gone up to a point where I had to eat toasted Vegemite all the time and I couldn't eat no longer, yeah. no longer could, I could have chicken and three veg for my family and we're, and we're doing it so tough that I have to eat baked beans and whatever, that means my standard of living's dropped. Mm. And the standard of living is the most important things that governments get marked on globally. 
you know, and our standard of living in Australia has been very high. Yeah. I and mean, we've got shelter and we've got food on the it's table. It's come at a cost though, Mark. It's come at a cost that it's all on debt. Mm. You look at where we stand globally as household income to, to as a percentage to, to, to um, household debt as a percentage to our income, it's what, about 188% yeah, or something? Yeah, we're one of the highest. I think we are the highest in the world. And we're in, definitely in the top five. Um, so at what price does our household living come at, a cost of, uh, our lifestyle? It's come at debt. And unfortunately, again, like uh, there are those that have and have not. And, you know, you can only go for, like this for so long until it just explodes. Yeah, so where, what's your prognosis then? I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Look, for me, I think it comes down to um, education, financial literacy and trying to make the best of what you do have. I mean, we are moving into a, 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 a period whereby financial products are so complicated. Their financial products are so easy to get. You, you've got lots of distractors that can actually put you over in your debt. Um, you've got like buy now, pay later, or, you know, our life seems to be on a subscription. Credit cards. Yeah, credit cards are ticking up too. You know, the average mortgage is substantial. Credit card's $3,700. You've got buy now, pay later, about $130 per, per um, hit. Um, for me, it's it's basically coming back to some financial knowledge to get people in the right position. I mean, that's not going to solve everything. I get that. I really do get that. But a lot of us are flying blind and life has become a subscription model and it's not working out for us. Whose responsibility is that though? Is it government's responsibility or is it, or like is to, it private enterprise? I think it's a combination of all. I think it's a combination of all, but definitely the government should be playing more roles into it. I mean, I know we do have under extra wearing that extra hat, we have a financial literacy program for kids in schools. Um, but, you know, on a national level, it'd be great to see something there. Well, it's, it's, it's sort of a, you know, I mean, I, I railed on about this during COVID, but when the government gives the banks $190 billion at 0.1 of a percent, yeah. which allows expect? the banks to go and lend it at 1.99%, yeah. they're basically encouraging everybody outside of the education piece. They don't tell them what you're getting yourself into. Go and borrow as much money as you can because at, at, at 1.99, everybody qualifies. Mm. Go and borrow, buy a new house because they wanted to stimulate the construction yeah. industry and keep the housing industry really vibrant and make people feel rich, wealthy. Then they, But as a result of that, which I understand it, but as a result of that, people then went and spent and uh, and, and probably overspent, definitely overspent. Yeah. So do you, is there a like a mismatch between what you're saying is what's needed so we don't sort of overbank ourselves or overborrow ourselves as a nation there's a mismatch between that and the policy to get us out of COVID, whether we need it or not in hindsight, doesn't matter, but at the time, and this also, but the but overarching obligation on governments to make sure they educate us about what they're trying to manipulate us into doing. Ab- absolutely. And it's not a quick fix and I don't want your listeners to think, oh, if he says get some financial education, everything will be right. It won't, especially if we are in this situation with so much debt. I mean, it, it is obviously a situation here where we can't afford to put roof on our, uh, over our head. So whether that be mortgage or rent, th- there is a huge supply issue problem in Australia. And we talk about this, I've been talking about this for so long. Why have we not fixed this yet? We look at our basic needs, you know, energy, putting lights in the house. Again, that's just flown past us. So th- there's a lot of people involved in this. And I know education won't solve that in, you know, paying your household debts and so on, but at least it gives some 
some basic form of knowledge as to at least making the best of what you do have. But on a higher level, then yeah, I think it's all the three or four um, pillars that you spoke of. It's it's uh, it sort of frustrates me to be honest with you. I mean, because we saw the, the federal government put in put or have their national cabinet meeting with the state mm. governments telling the state governments, well, we're going to give you some money but you need to release more land or do something about the supply of property or real estate. And then the state government in New South Wales comes out with this uh, discussion um, today about um, some areas that they've earmarked for more intense development. And then immediately all the local councils have said, no, no, you know, we can't, no, we're not going to have that. Um, we don't want any more development in our area. Yes. Because they get pressure from their voters to say, well, I don't want the, I don't want density a, a, living. Yeah, here. I, don't, I don't want this next door to me. I don't want a block mm. of apartments next door to me. Well, it's got to be somewhere. And but but <laughs> but 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 it, it sounds like it's a whole lot of crap to me. It sounds like to me it's just a whole lot of people talking, and nothing's going to happen. I, I don't hold any. I personally do not hold any faith whatsoever in us fixing the supply, housing supply issue. We, we'll increase supply, but we won't fix the issue. And therefore, I think house prices in Australia and rent, uh, dwelling prices in Australia, including apartments, will continue to go up. Um, well, then if that's the case, we need to seriously think about how we can help um, people that have lower incomes because when you look at the rental assistance, it's doing nothing. Yeah. It's putting people in cars. That's all that's doing. So if we don't fix it, then we're going to look at the other side and this is not effective giving handouts to, to help people to afford somewhere to live. And I know which one I'd prefer, something that's more sustainable, has, has longevity. But if that's not going to be solved, then there needs to be some solution for people who cannot afford or even get a rental property. I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but that's why Labor's trying to have its $10 billion fund form so it can the income off that $10 billion fund they can use to put build affordable housing for people. Um, and I don't like, and the Greens, of course, are sort of sitting there saying that, look, we want a rental freeze. I don't like the rental freeze. The rental freeze mm. thing, all it's going to do is landlords are going to say, well, landlords are going to get out. Of course, so. yeah. you're going to have less supply yeah. property, that, and it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to get worse. It's not That's an crazy. answer. No. So, like, uh, but I think what Labor is proposing sounds like a good start um, to me. At least build affordable housing for people, yeah. uh, rent to buy or buy, uh, build to rent. I should say uh, that type of program yeah. that should be encouraged, and there should be some tax, you know, some tax benefits for yeah. people who do these things or for people who want to take the risk developers I'm talking about. Um, I just think that you know, over time the prognosis is not going to be good unless someone starts to do something. And um, I actually think what Albanese is talking about is quite a good idea, I mean, this uh, $10 billion fund. Um, but every state needs to participate as well and, and councils need to participate and someone needs to sort of start kicking this around the joint mm. because the worst thing, I cannot think of a worse thing, Effie, in my life, if I was a young person and I didn't know where I, where I was going to live for the rest of my life, I didn't know where, how I was going to be able to yeah. afford to live somewhere decent for the rest of my life, that, that would that have to be one of the worst. in a country in a, like Correct. Australia. And if they talk about standard of living, standard of living is not just how I live my life, do I have holidays and all that sort yeah. of stuff, it's how I feel mm. in my life. Mm. Do I feel like I am I have got a, a secure life My and that comes down to food and a roof over my head. Yeah. And Right now I don't like where we're at, but that's too political. Um, Effie, thanks <laughs> yeah. very much for coming here. Oh, really it's always it. a pleasure, Mark, I love chatting it. to awesome. you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.